Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so at adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare to hear a word from God. Let's get into the word of God. We're going uh, into the book of Luke. The book of Luke was written by, you guessed it, Luke. Luke was a disciple, follower of Jesus. He walked, talked, worked alongside of Jesus for the entirety of Jesus' ministry. And he loved Jesus. He believed everything about Jesus. I mean, Jesus was doing miracles. He was stomping the yard, going from town to town, just like, what's up? I'm the son of God. He was healing people. It was incredible. And Luke believed it, really, until Jesus started talking some crazy talk. Started talking about, hey, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be killed. I'm gonna be crucified. But don't worry, I'm going to rise again from the dead. And at that point, his disciples were like, hmm, gonna have to see that one to believe it. And so Jesus did go to the cross, goes into the grave. And how many of you know he did not stay down? Amen. Amen. He came out, and you know Jesus loved it when he showed up to those disciples. You, I, can you imagine that? They were all haters. I think about James. James' own brother didn't believe him. The Bible is very clear. He did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And Jesus met with the disciples, met with Luke, was like, hey, what's up? And then he went to James, who had been dogging him his whole life. Can you imagine that conversation? I told you! I told you! And so these disciples, and James included, they spent the rest of their lives telling the world about who Jesus was. And, and part of it was that Luke wrote this gospel. And this book is all about Jesus. In fact, the whole Bible is all about Jesus. And Luke recounts a lot of the things that Jesus did, a lot of the things that he said. And we're going to dive into Luke chapter 10, where Jesus is having a conversation with someone. Jesus loves conversations. It says this, verse 25. One day, an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this, te this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say, and how do you read it? Now, pause right there. Now, if you're a Christian, you don't believe in God, whatever, we probably all had this experience where you have prayed, it's, you've been, you know, you're in bed, you're going to sleep, and you're like, you know, I'm just going to talk to God. I'm just going to throw something out there. Let's see. You know, and you prayed about something, you asked them a question, you asked them to show up, and as soon as you got done praying, you had more questions than you had than when you went into the prayer, right? It's, it's crazy, and it frustrates us, doesn't it, when you are praying about something, and God not only doesn't give you an answer, but now you're, like, wondering about other things. Like, you go and praying about your stress, and you come out stressed about more stuff. Thank you, God. But how many of you know that God is not so motivated by our search for solutions as he is driven to get us to the source? That's why Jesus loves conversations with us so much. I mean, spouses, all of our married people— how long would your relationship last if all of your conversations was, honey, I need this, and then you walked away? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It don't work that way with God. And God's been convicting me about this one. Because I always say, Jesus, you're the answer. You're the answer. You're the answer. Finally, Jesus was like, listen, you keep calling me, telling me I'm the answer. Why do you keep calling me looking for answers? 
God speak to you like that? Are we on the same page here? Let's get back to the text. I'm on an island. Let's get going. Verse 27, the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus responds, right, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who, uh, who's my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of all his clothes, beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. Somebody say, don't go. Let's clear this up real quick. I'm sorry. That was misleading. When I say somebody said, it means everybody says. Uh, So somebody say, don't go to Jericho. It's bad news. It's bad news. Verse 31, by chance a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed over on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, two denarii, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three, Jesus is asking the religious man, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. I want to talk to you today from this concept of crossing over. Will you touch your neighbor, please, and tell them it's time to cross over? It's time to cross over. Let's pray and let's just ask that God speak to us today through his word. Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you. Um, God, I get excited about being here today because as much as we want answers, as much as we want to see you and experience you, you want to show yourself all the more. We get that wrong. We think that you don't want to show up. We know that you want to show up today. So today, God, will you help us to get rid of the distractions, the thing that we're thinking about later today, the thing that we're thinking about that happened this last week today. We want to be so present so that we can hear from you. If you want to hear from God today, will you say amen? Amen. amen. So um, have you ever known someone that loves to ask questions? But it's not just any question. They're questions that they already know the answer to. Okay, let me help you out here a little bit. Um, When my wife and I first got married, um, which sounds comical because we just got married two and a half months ago, uh, you know, but you'll respect me a lot more, like, you know, and when we first got married. So anyways, when we first got married, I got concerned. I really did. Uh, You know, the transition and the living together, it, it had all the joys that you can expect, and we were just figuring things out, you know. But I got concerned because... Jackie, my dear wife, she would ask this one question all the time, all the time. I mean, it was just like every day, and I'm like, oh, and I started Googling things. I'm like, you know, short-term memory loss, like, babe, we got to get this figured out. So what would happen was I'd be sitting, you know, on the couch watching TV, and, and she'd pick up a sock that was on the living room floor or a jacket that was on the kitchen table, and she'd ask me, now where does this go? And I'd be like, oh, baby, let me show you again, you know? (laughs) Somebody say, 
rhetorical. <laughs> I was enlightened to find out she was not actually looking for an answer. <laughs> Parents, you're the same way. I know you're the same way with this. Uh, I know that it probably breaks your heart when your teenager lies to you. Oh my gosh, how much must it break your heart? But how much fun is it to bust them on their lie? I am looking forward to nothing more than when I've got kids, but of burying them in their lies. Like, you know where they were, and Jimmy comes home late after curfew. Hey, man, where'd you go after the football game? I went to Johnny's house. Oh, you did? How was that? It was good. What'd you do there? Played video games? What kind of video games? Call of Duty, which one? I don't know, it was the, the fourth one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Busted! Man, I just can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. If my kids, you are watching this podcast, what, Jackie, what, 35 years from now? Um, I warned you. I warned you. We love, love asking questions that we already know the answer to. But how many of you know that knowing the right answer and actually knowing the right answer feel about the same? Right? Somebody say assumption assumption. And this is what gets us into trouble all the time. This is what my, got my parents into trouble when they both assumed that the other person was picking me up from football practice when I was 12 years old. <laughs> Jacob, are, are, your, are, your parents, are your parents coming to pick you up? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're on the way. Okay, you know. All right, well, well, we'll see you next week. Okay, three hours later, they're on their way. They're on their way. <laughs> they're on their way, you know. Yeah, yeah, it gets us into a lot of trouble, this thing called assumption. And, and as a result, Jesus ran into people all the time, all the time that assumed things about him. And so he meets these religious leaders, these, these Jewish leaders, and they ask him questions, but like my dear wife, Jackie, they're not actually looking for answers, but rather they're looking for their own assumptions to be affirmed. Case in point, there was a group of Jewish leaders called the Pharisees. Pharisees, they, they knew all about the Old Testament law. Before Jesus came, everybody, all of God's chosen people lived under this law. This law I told them what to do, how to do it, the whole deal. And the Pharisees knew all about it. And they were so good at it. And so the Pharisees, it wasn't that they didn't believe that a Messiah was coming. They knew a Messiah was coming, but they assumed that a Messiah was coming to overthrow the Gentiles, a.k.a. the non-Jewish people's government. And that's time in this situation, the Roman government. And so that's what they were looking for. So then all of a sudden, this, this man named Jesus gets on the scene, and he starts claiming to be the Son of God. So they would come to him with questions like this. They, they, they'd ask him, hey, uh, Jesus, um, you know, what do you think about, what do you think about taxes? Do you think we should pay, pay our taxes? And now you all really want to know what Jesus has to say about that, right? Because it's not too late to amend my return, right? Okay, what's Jesus got to say? And, and they weren't necessarily looking from a financial point of view. I mean, they, they cared about their dollars and cents. But back in those days, to pay your taxes would be to acknowledge the authority. And in their cases, that meant that they would have to acknowledge the authority that they did not want that they did not like. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus asked for a coin, because Jesus loved using props. And he, he looks at it and he says, now who, whose face is on this? And they responded, Caesar. That's Caesar's face. And Jesus just simply puts it. He says, um, 
Well, then just give to, to Caesar what bears his image and give to God what bears the image of God. Because how many of you know that the strongest message that we can give to the world around us is not our disdain for what is wrong, but rather it is our faithfulness to what is right. It is a life that shows people how to live, and it's easier to light up Facebook. I know it is. I know how, how easy it is to just get out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let every, all of my 345 friends on Facebook know how it is. It's easier to light up Facebook, but what our world is really looking for is for a light to illuminate through our lives that doesn't say this is wrong, but we're going to say this is right. This is how you can live. When you come to know Jesus, things change. It's not that just things get pulled out of your life, but he adds things into your life. Say amen if that resonates with you. And so they think, they thought it was an either or answer, and Jesus responds with both. And they've got all these assumptions, all these assumptions about who God would be, how he would be, and what he would be like. And as a result, they don't see him for who he really is. In your notes, your assumptions about God will keep you from seeing who he really is. You grew up a certain way. You grew up in a certain church. You grew up with certain types of parents. You had people around you all telling you who God is. And then all of a sudden, you got not but two years into life, and you realized that they were not connecting. Where we get this belief that because God is good, true, that nothing bad will ever happen to us. And all of a sudden, it's just like, I can't reconcile the two, when in fact, that's not what Jesus said at all. But Jesus said, no, 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 I'm not saying there's not going to be any problems. In fact, when he said, I think John 16, you are going to have trouble. You are going to have problems. But guess what? You can take heart because I've overcome this world. You can take heart that when you face problems, I'm going to breathe in the power to you so that you too can overcome it. And this is the amazing thing. As you grow in your relationship with God, as you get to know him, as he starts to peel away those assumptions, now I ain't like that, I ain't like that, I ain't like that, and you start to see God as he really is, this is, this is so cool. You start to see yourself as you really are. And all of a sudden, because you see God as he really is, the all-sovereign, the all-powerful, the maker of everything, you see yourself as the conqueror that he is created to be. And you get to start stepping in through life with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder because I am who I am. I am who God saved. I am who God tells me to be. And in Luke 10, we meet a guy, again, that's got these assumptions. He's not coming for answers. He's coming for his assumptions to be affirmed. And so he asked Jesus in chapter 10, verse 25, one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus and he says, teacher, which right off the bat, eh, not who Jesus is. He is not just a teacher. I love my boy C.S. Lewis. Y'all know C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia. He is brilliant. He's, he put it this way. He says, um, either Jesus was the son of God or he was a psycho. There is no in-between, right? Because no good teacher, oh, I think he, you know, he taught some good stuff. Yeah, and he also claimed to be God. I don't know. I don't listen to people like that. Like, that's where I'm like, okay, <laughs> you just lost your voice in my life. Who is he 
to you. But this is, this is who he is to Jesus. He's just a teacher. And so he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds, what is written in the law? What does Moses' law say? Moses was the guy that introduced the law to the people of God. Exodus. And he says, how do you read it? The man responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. At this point, i got to believe the religious leader is feeling very foolish. Like Jesus just asked him, okay, what does the, what does the law of Moses say? He quotes the law of Moses, okay? And he says, oh yeah, all you have to do is love God with all of your heart. Okay, real quick, y'all good at that? Like, you, are you perfect at loving God with all of your heart? Okay, but then also, all of your soul, yeah. All of your, all of your mind, yeah, let not a single thought come into your membrane, that does not honor God, that does not love him, okay? And all of your strength, everything that you do, will you do in the strength of the Lord? Oh, and then he adds on, yeah, the other part was love your neighbor the exact same way that you love yourself. Like, I'm sorry, am I the only one where it's just like, bro, like, seriously, do you hear yourself? Like, how foolish that sounds? And how does Jesus respond? Yeah, go do that. Go do that. Let's see how that works for you, right? Because how many of you have experienced that God will often tell you to do the impossible to show you that his presence is an imperative? Yeah, 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 yeah. God will tell you to forgive the very person that you, uh, there's no way. There's no way I can do that. God will call you out into open waters. He will call you to do something that you're not comfortable with. He will call you to love people that seem unlovable. Why? So that shows our need I need someone, but, um, but he didn't get it. Touch your neighbor and say, he didn't get it. He didn't get it. No, no, no. He just keeps on going on and says, but he wants to justify himself because he thinks, I've been doing this. I got this down. And so he wants to press a little bit further. And he asks Jesus, okay, and who's my neighbor? Thinking that Jesus is going to respond by saying all of the people that this man has been loving. But, but Jesus Jesus doesn't do that, and instead Jesus begins to tell a story, and within the very first sentence, and the story set up, he endangers this man's definition of neighbor. Luke 10, 30. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. One sentence, so simple, and yet I believe that it probably made this man squirm. Because this guy knew the definition. He knew Strong's Concordance Greek definition of neighbor, which means to be near, those who are near to you. But the application in his life was all wrong because back in those days, if you didn't like someone, you did not live by them. (laughs) What a dream, (laughs) right? (laughs) Take us back, Lord, you know? I know that you probably had just gotten into the neighborhood of your dreams, and you were driving by your neighbor's lawn last November, saw a certain yard sign promoting their, you know, political candidate, and immediately you were like, Siri, call wife. Yeah, we're canceling dinner with the neighbors. (laughs) You will not believe who they are voting for. But back then, back then, if you didn't like someone, you didn't live by him. And so, for this man, when he's thinking of neighbor, he's thinking about a definition that is safe and sound within the context of his comfort and convenience. And Jesus don't like that. (laughs) And so in one sentence, 
Jesus moves him from his comfort zone and takes him mobile. If y'all were Batman fans, I'd do a Bane impression right now. Time to go mobile. But you guys aren't, you guys don't watch those types of movies, and that just went over your heads. Yeah, yeah, Jesus takes him, and he's like, no, 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 that's not where love happens. That, I know, yeah, yeah. And he gets him out on the road, because how many of you know that life happens on the way? Life happens on the way. Your life can be let down free if it's free of any leaps. Okay. Your life can be free of any leap, any letdowns, as long as it's free of any leaps. You'll never be discouraged in your life if you never try something. I promise you. I can guarantee you peace right now in this moment. Go home, lock yourself in your bedroom, and watch some Netflix, and your cares will go away. I bet you never experience hurt until you let your heart go. And you got into a relationship, and you tried something. Students, my collide students, I know I got some in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to live your life without opposition? Don't try moving forward. But when you're trying to get from point A to point B, when you're trying to grow closer in the Lord, when you're trying to get your marriage stronger, when you're trying to get out of debt, when you're trying to get healthy, when you're trying to move forward, man, life happens. Pain happens. Discomfort happens. Discouragement happens. Foreclosure happens. Life happens on the way. And because life happens when we're moving and life happens when we're on the road, life happens on the way, love doesn't happen in an environment that is static in its surroundings it doesn't happen in our hearts gated communities but rather love true love happens in the gap somebody say gap gap i'm not talking about the fashion store love their style but they don't make jeans for the short and stout okay and so i can't go there not talking about that gap we're talking about the gap that exists between you and someone else's way of living. We're talking about the gap that exists between you and someone else's thinking, the way that they think about stuff. You and someone else's, get this, religious views, to which all my religious people are like, oh, now that's you're crossing a line. God gave us permission to hate those people. And... I'm talking about that gap. And so we got this guy that's on the side of the road, and it's one thing to be beaten up. It's one thing to be bloody and bruised. It's another thing to be on the side of the road watching people walk by because of a gap. And it looks like, it looks like it's going to change because Jesus says he, he got beat up. The bandits left him for dead. But don't worry. There's people coming. Who's it say that was on the way? We had a priest, huh? a Levite. A priest in this instance is a picture of the moral law. The Old Testament law was split up into two, moral and ceremonial law. Moral law was the do's, the don'ts, the regulations that you had to live by, the priest. And then you had the Levite. He was a picture of the ceremonial law, the customs, the practices, the sacrifices that we had to do re to regain right standing with God. And, and like circumcision, which they had to have to set themselves apart. 
Pastor Kyle will be preaching on that next weekend. <laughs> it would appear that the perfect prospects to help this man, they were Jewish. They were the same race. They were the same beliefs. But as the priest walks up, maybe he gets a whiff of the blood. Maybe the bruises come into view. And all of a sudden it clicks. That man was on the same road. I'm on the same road that produced that man's pain. Man, man, that, that could happen to me. And so he quickly walks over to the other side and crosses by. A Levite's coming. Ceremonial law. He comes up and he takes it a step further. It says, it says that he went up to him and he looked at him. But then he saw the degree of the wounds. And he saw the cost of helping this guy out. This wasn't a, hey, here's a couple bucks. This was a, man. I, and so he quickly walks by on the other side. The priest, the Levite, walking by on the other side because religion cannot cross the gap. It can't cross the gap of our self-regard and our self-interest. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus continues to say, after the priest walked by, after the Levite walked by, a third person came up. Somebody say, third person. This is where we're, it's going to get exciting. Tap your neighbor and say, it's about to get good. It wasn't good up until this point, but it's about to get good. It's about to get good. A third person is on the way. The most unlikely candidate. The one person that had every reason to hate this guy. A despised Samaritan. Back in those days, Samaritans, Jews, they were not cool with each other. They hated each other. It was a race thing. It was a beliefs thing. It was a background thing. It was a you married into the wrong, uh, we hate you, thing, thing. <laughs> Jews hated the Samaritans so much that, in fact, when they were in Jerusalem and they needed to get to Galilee, which was up here, only a three-day three journey, but you had to go through Jericho. Uh, uh, Wow, I'm losing it. Samaria. And so what do you think they did? Now, that's okay. Road trip, kids. We going round. But it was this Samaritan, when he knew that this guy hated his guts, he goes over, mends to his wounds. It was this Samaritan who knowing that this guy would probably never do the same for him. Why? How did the Samaritan know that? How do you know? Because he literally just watched two people of this guy's same race, same beliefs, walk on by. And yet it was the Samaritan that bends down, picks him up, puts him on a donkey, takes him to an inn to get better. It was this Samaritan who knew that this man would never pay him back pays for the initial charges and also says, hey, if there's anything else that this guy needs, if there's any charges on his behalf, just put it, put it on my account. And this is, this is where my big idea comes in today. If you were sleeping up until this point, good news, you'll be good. In order to love our neighbors, we've got to be willing to cross the gap. But crossing the gap is only possible from a third-person point of view. In order to love our neighbors, we've got to be willing to cross those gaps. You, 
I have not spoken for but 25 minutes and God has already been revealing some gaps in your life with people in your life. But in order to cross that gap, you've got to have a third person point of view. This is where the word of God is alive. This is where the word of God is exciting. And I understand it's tedious. And when you're first trying to get into the word of God, it's like, oh, there's nothing here. But I'm telling you, you keep on digging and God will show you something. Because this is what God showed me this last week. Oh, this is great. The moral law, the ceremonial law, they weren't enough. We could never keep the standards. We kept striving and we kept failing. And so there we were. There we were, left for dead. The ceremonial law couldn't save us. The moral law couldn't save us. But how many of you know that a third person was on the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most unlikely candidate. The one person that had every reason to leave us down on earth in our own filth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A third person was on the way. And Jesus the perfect son of God, up in heavenly perfection, all of a sudden, I got to cross that gap. And so Jesus, the third person, comes down from a throne that was his, comes down into a broken and fallen world, comes down into a mess, comes down into our sin, comes down into all of our failures, all of our mess-ups, and as he's walking on the same path, he sees us up on the side of the road, down and out, dead in our sin. But how many of you know that he chose to cross over? Because grace, grace crossed the gap. Yeah. Grace, grace will see us. And when we want nothing to do with him, he'll still pay the price. He'll still come over, he'll pick us up, he'll put us on his back, and he'll take us in. But this is the awesome thing about grace. Grace, grace pays for us, grace pays for the initial charges, grace pays for where you are and where you've been, but this is so cool. Grace opens up a tab. Yeah. The Samaritan said, hey, 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 if there's anything else that's on this guy's behalf, I'll take care of that too. Woo! Grace, grace says, you're gonna mess up in the future. You ain't going to be able to handle it. You're going to fail. I got that too. I got that too. Grace pays for us, but it doesn't stop there. It gets even better. Grace empowers us. Grace heals us. Where, yeah, that happened, and you ended up on a bed for months, sick, beaten down, but you're getting better. Grace empowers us to get back up. Somebody's word today is, why are you still in the inn? Why are you still on that bed? I paid for you. I gave you what you needed. Why are you still lying there? But rather grace, when you let it reach into your soul, it empowers you to start attacking the very things that life dealt you. All of a sudden, when you've got grace and you're, you're asking God, let your grace flow in and through me, God, let it empower me. All of a sudden, you start, you start going after the very things that you've been excusing because it happened to me. That happened to me. And now I'll never be the same. Can I let you in on something? Nod your head. I got to know. Okay, good. We good? Jesus did not go up on that cross into that grave to come out the same way that he went in. 
but rather grace carries some scars. Grace has got some marks. Grace has been through some stuff. Jesus didn't go up on that cross, come out of that grave and go, I hope, well, I just, let's pretend like that didn't happen. (laughs) No, 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 no. That's not what grace does. You'll never forget where you've been. You'll never forget what you've done. And there's a purpose behind your lack of forgetting. Grace wants you to have some, some scars that you got. Grace wants you to look in the mirror and never forget because that's how it produces the third person point of view. That's how it produces the third person point of view. Got me thinking about video games right now. The video games I play on my day off. Yes, I play video games on my day off, okay? No, I do not have one of those headsets and like gaming with the guys, okay? Best Buy was sold out, I had to mail it. All right? All right? And if you did not catch Noise, Noise was the best series that Adventure Church that Pastor Kyle has ever put out. Week one, you got to get back to your Sabbath. You got to rest. You got to find a day that you can say, God, I'm not, I'm not working today because I know that you can do more in six days than I could do in seven. So my way of trusting God and my way of putting things into his hands is by putting an Xbox 360 controller into mine. Don't judge me, okay? That's how I trust but I don't, I don't like just any video game. I don't like just any video game. I don't like these first-person video games. And for all of you who are over 30 and you're like, I have no idea what that is, I'll clear it up for you. All right, we're all going to be on the same page. First-person point of video games is, is when all you see on your TV is what's in front of you. All you see is the people in front of you. Depending on your video game, aliens, you might see your little gun, Okay. All you see is, is what's in front of you. I don't like that. I hate that. I hate that. It's like, where's the, con- where's the context? But third-person point video games, I'm right smack dab in the middle. I can see what's in front of me. I can see what's the side of me. I can see what's behind me. I can see me. This is what the third-person point of view is. You don't just see other people and how difficult they are to love. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The third person point of view comes in and says, you ain't always been so easy to love, have you? Look behind you. Look what you got back there. First person says, oh my goodness, like, I can't believe they think that way. I can't believe that they struggle with that. Third person says, you had some struggles. Don't be like this religious leader thinking you got it all going on. You don't. But the third person point of view looks back and sees how far grace has carried you. How powerful grace has changed you. How his grace, yeah. You want to know, you want to know why it's so hard to understand their thinking? It's because grace has changed your thinking so much. It has, it has totally rewired your brain. God has showed you a different way of viewing the world around you. And it's to the extent where you can't even imagine how other people think that way. But when you got a third-person point of view, you still remember that you used to. And when third-person point of view comes into your perspective, that's when grace will start not only to flow in you, but it will start to flow out of you. That's what will empower you to cross the gap. What are your gaps? What are the gaps that you have? There are people in your life, I know there are, that there are people in your life that you see every single day and there's a gap and it's hard to cross for one reason or another because maybe they did really, they really dented you. 
they really put a mark on you. Other times, it's pretty shallow. I'll just say it. It's the color of our skin. Where someone is different than you. What are the gaps that are in your life? And have you been assuming that they're gone? Thinking about my good friend Andrew, who I just met a few weeks ago. He does this really cool type of physical therapy called MAT, muscle activation technique. I've had shoulder issues for the last couple of years, and so he's trying to help me with that. And, and in my point of view, I'm like, this is your shoulder. Like, get this thing to work. And he's like, oh, man, it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. And so he does all these, like, response tests and, and range of action tests. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, this little, little muscle right here, man, it ain't firing. It ain't firing. To which I respond, I did not even know I had that muscle. And so what he does, it's, it's crazy, you're not going to believe me, but he, he pokes up here where that muscle is, and then he comes back to the spine where it connects. And he pokes around in order to activate it, to wake it up. You ain't been working, man, you got to start working. I wonder if God's poking you right now. He's poking you in the gap. I know you didn't know that that gap was there. I know you've been assuming that you love them. Yeah, I don't want to judge them, but, yep, that's a gap. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not trying to, you know, say that that way, but, yeah, that's, that's a gap. Clear that one up for you. What are the gaps that God's poking away at you? 